What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Today's episode of the Chase to Must podcast is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Panko Chicken. The new Atlanta restaurant thrives off of a unique spin on Japanese and Western cuisine and is already racking up the awards, winning best-selling taste in the Taste of Atlanta Awards both in 2017 and 2018. So if you're in the metro Atlanta area and are wanting to try something new and good and delicious, Go to Panko Chicken today and tell them that I sent you over. You'll be glad you did, I promise. Panko Chicken, where eats meets West. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, welcome back to a Monday night edition of the Chase Thomas podcast. My guest today. Austin Gale. It's been a few weeks. He's become a PFF superstar. You've probably seen him on YouTube's uh, on uh, PFF's YouTube channel with Sam Monson, Steve Palazzolo. He's uh, rising up the ranks, as I predicted months and months ago. So, Austin, it's it's good to see. Oh, thanks, man. I love that intro. Yeah, it's it's very good. Um, yeah, it's how has it been uh, being on uh, YouTube? Uh, are you comfortable yet with a camera on you as you have to quickly articulate? Uh, smart NFL analysis? Definitely not. I, I still have a lot of room to improve. I think uh, I still talk really fast, as you know, and uh, also need to just work on being just as good as uh, Sam and Steve. I think there, there's steep competition in the YouTube room. Yeah, if you're going to get one of these NFL GM jobs one day, we're going to need you to continue the <laughs> ranks. And uh, I want you to get the an NFL GM job before Steve. That's all I want. Um, no, I'm ready. I'm ready to compete. <laughs> all right well we're doing a mailbag uh episode on this podcast so i'm just basically going to throw a series of questions at you and uh you can respond accordingly how does that sound sounds perfect okay first up trent williams how worried should teams be about his recent pff grade slide that was something i read on pff.com a couple days ago about how the last two years he's really dipped um still like one of the better offensive tackles in football but injuries and other stuff and just age-related decline um makes you a little dubious of what the next two to three years might look like for him um are you at all should teams be worried about trading for trent williams uh that's funny sam and i recently discussed this on camera and i think you should be worried depending on the price tag if trent williams is coming to you at a steep price which i mean if he is traded he will be coming at that $14 million plus per year. There, You should be worried, but at a short-term deal, he's always been a plus pass protector. His floor is still above the 70.0 mark, and I think that's very good, especially considering some of the landing spots. You, you know, With Cleveland, I think he instantly becomes one of their better offensive tackles, especially with Desmond Harrison recently released. And looking at Houston, Titus Howard, Max Sharping, you know, Martinez Rankin, Julian Davenport, he's better than all of those guys in his worst season. And I think those two teams specifically, you can't be worried about his declining play just because he instantly comes in as your best offensive tackle. For other teams that are expecting more of him, 
that's when no not that's when maybe you start to slip because his health has still been a concern. And even with his, you know, with injuries coming into play, you've seen his decline in pass protection. However, for a team looking to bring him on and expecting pass protection above expectation, above the Martinez Rankin levels, I think you're getting exactly that with Trent Williams, even on his worst day. Will the Patriots shifting focus from tight ends to wide receivers drastically change how the Pats operate on offense? I don't think so. I think with Tom Brady, he just needs capable, you know, somewhat capable pass catchers to get going. I think well, a more interesting story kind of developing in New England is Sonny Michelle and him not participating in, you know, offseason program, his knee being possibly a concern, and the rise potentially of Damian Harris, who could see a significant role in New England. I think that rushing attack, that rushing, you know, that offensive line led by Shaq Mason is so good that any running back can thrive in that system. However, seeing maybe Damian Harris take the reins over Sony Michelle because of that knee, maybe early on and maybe down the road. If you know that injury becomes a larger concern, it's interesting. I think that's the bigger story in New England. I think with the receivers they have, Julian Elman, first round pick in the kill Harry, they're gonna find ways to get them the football and they have the best quarterback doing it. So I think they shouldn't be worried about who's catching. What is the final number for Dak Prescott going to be? And can the Cowboys still win a Super Bowl once it's signed? Whew, that is a tough question. I think you have to think it's going to be over that $30 million mark. I, I, I you, you know, with, with Carson Wentz recently resigning and Jared Goff looming, Dallas is going to be hard pressed to find a number lower than that from an average annual salary standpoint. I think mixing in the guarantees and trying to, you know, carve in a potential out for him two years into the contract, three years into the contract is paramount for a Dallas Cowboys team that really shouldn't be going all in on this guy, especially with the roster still having holes in other places. I, I don't know. And Amari Cooper as well. Losing Amari Cooper in the offseason after trading a first-round pick for him would be devastating. And I think you have to pay him and Dak Prescott to get things moving. And Zeke coming down the way, you know, you got Byron, Byron, um, Byron Jones. Am I saying? Yeah, Byron Jones. He needs mm-hmm. to get paid. You have the, the two, you know, two uh, linebacker Jalen Jalen Smith needs to get paid. There's so many. There's so many. Amari Cooper, Dak Prescott, Jalen Smith, Byron Jones are all entering contract years or close to and Ezekiel Elliott's right around there as well you have to really start to prioritize and if I were Dallas I'm looking at Amari Cooper Byron Jones way more way before I'm looking at Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott so it's an interesting situation for Dallas I think Eric and George two of our data scientists want to dive into soon working with some of the guys from over the cap to kind of get an idea of factoring in positional value and how much these guys will cost to look at where Dallas should spend their money. And I, I honestly looking at it right now, Dak may be the odd man out. However, maybe they prioritize it. Maybe they have a preference for Dak, but there's so many players on that roster that need to get paid soon. And it's just hard to, you know, prioritize Dak given the players that are you know on expiring contracts. Have the Eagles fixed their secondary depth issue? Hmm. That's a good question trying to think of who they've added um yeah avante have malcolm jenkins right now which is not yeah good. well did he did he return today or no did he uh yeah well, i mean i thought the whole thing with him not coming is because he wants a new contract and yeah I, that's interesting I, I think without malcolm jenkins that secondary gets significantly worse that locker room gets significantly worse the veteran that's led that team for so long today you're correct. that's good okay 
But him coming back is huge because Malcolm Jenkins matters so much to that defense. And Cravion Blanc or the Cravion Blanc or how the hell pronounce his name? That guy played well down the stretch. I think Sidney Jones needs to get better. I think obviously you have to you know his first year being de- you know down to injury, he's still yeah. learning a little bit on the fly. But you have to hope he gets better. But still, that, that you know that team, that secondary, I think still remains a concern. I, I don't see it as a strength for this team, even with Michael, Malcolm Jenkins reporting to say the depth is fixed. I, I would still say no. So I'm concerned about the Eagles then in that in that context because that was just really bad and they were ravaged and like they just got destroyed from their back four. So um, it should be interesting to monitor. Uh, which unit finishes better from PFF this year, Oakland's offense or Oakland's defense? Ooh, what, that this is a fantastic question. I would say Oakland's offense simply because. They had so much talent on that side of the ball. Trent Brown, yeah. highest paid offensive tackle. That offensive line, no matter what, gets better putting him in over Brandon Parker. Josh Jacobs, I think, is going to be better over Doug Martin and company. I think Tyrell Williams and Antonio Brown are instantly better than Brandon LaFell and, and uh, Jordy Nelson. I think Derek Carr, even if he plays exactly as he played last year, does better with those weapons. And you lose... Um, the tight end Jared Cook, you lose Jared Cook, which we would have downplayed just given because just because Derek Carr used him so much. But adding two star receivers like that, they added Hunter Renfro as well, a guy I really like. The offensive line got better. You, you know, you see running back position, first round talent at running back get better. That offense finishes better, largely because I think that defense didn't get as better. I don't think Cleveland Farrell is the you know the answer. A defensive end, I think he'll be good, not great. I think Carl Joseph still has question marks. I think Jonathan Abram is still a question mark. Garyon Conley, even you know, he needs a huge third year in the NFL to you know warrant you know, in consideration down the road. I think there's still so many more question marks and lackluster improvement this off offseason on the defensive side of the ball to see them kind of finish out higher than the offense. Interesting. And I think it comes down to that offensive line. And I'm just, I'm not a believer in that offensive line. And then again, you read the reports of just like, uh, my biggest takeaway thus far is that like, no matter what Antonio Brown is off the field, that dude showing up for voluntary workouts and putting in the time and work with Derek Carr, like that dude really does care about how he's going to perform on the field. He cares above and beyond just I'm going to be a workout machine, and that's like part of his his shtick. But that's a good thing to have if you do have a prima donna type in your locker room. That ultimately he's gonna still come to work and come to the voluntary stuff, and still do the little things that is necessary, especially when you have a new quarterback and trying to get in rhythm with him. Um, I don't know that that is something I've enjoyed monitoring because I think that's an under valued aspect to guys like Antonio Brown where he's spending the time to get to work with this guy and a team will maybe have time to touch on the Bills where their whole offense is injured right now so Josh Allen isn't had like all of his receivers are gone uh Cole Beasley Zay Jones and who's the other one and their three wide receiver Robert uh, Foster uh is it him I don't know I is it Peerless Price I don't know um but uh, whoever the third guy is I'm blanking on right now um they're all out so he's going through all these workouts and he's just throwing to guys he's not going to throw to in the fall right now and i wonder if that matters if those guys injuries linger and all that kind of stuff so i don't know i think it's interesting um did the packers add enough wide receiver help for aaron Rodgers this summer i don't think i think it's an interesting question largely because i don't think aaron Rodgers needs receiver help i think a healthy aaron Rodgers can do just enough i mean more than enough with Devonte adams and whoever else you want to put out there if it's eq's yeah. St. Brown, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Geronimo Allison, it doesn't matter. Devontae Adams alone makes Aaron Rodgers a premier talent. I mean, gives Aaron Rodgers the opportunity to be a a premier talent from a production standpoint. Him, Aaron Rodgers, and, and, you know, David 
Bakhtiari still leading that offensive line. I think put whoever you want at opposite wide receiver, put whoever you want in the slot. I think Aaron Rodgers gets it done just just with the guys he has. Are we all a year or two early on the Cleveland Browns? <laughs> I don't think so. I really love what the Cleveland Browns have done, largely because, and I think you know this, you know Baker Mayfield couldn't be higher on our boards right now. I think Baker Mayfield I going into year two. PFF was uh, pretty big on Baker Mayfield. Mm-hmm. We we love Baker Mayfield, and we love him going into year two. We love him with Odell. We love him with Freddie Kitchens. I think that this offense could be so so good. And you see them make maybe a move for Trent Williams and really secure that offensive lineup. I I, I think they're going to put there's threat to put up thirty points thirty points a week. I think the Cleveland Browns are going to be very good on the offensive side of the ball. Defensively, Miles Garrett is is a freak, one of the better pass rushers in the NFL. We love Denzel Ward. There's just so much you know to like about this team and Greedy Williams in that uh, defensive scheme though. Uh, you, you don't love it. I, I think it was right. interesting to see them bring him in. I think it made sense given that where he fell in the draft, but I, I think he can learn to get better in that scheme. I think Denzel Ward too. I think Denzel Ward isn't, you know, what that scheme is, you know, Steve Wilkes scheme. He doesn't fit that either, but both of them can play well in it. And I just wish Steve Wilkes honestly could pivot to this press man where we get to see Greedy Williams and Denzel Ward opposite of each other. And that would just be, fantastic honestly i wish he would pivot but honestly in that scheme with miles garrett that defense joe Schobert, if he can stay healthy one of the better coverage linebackers this past year i really like the talent they put on that team i think it's so much new talent and so much new ability that it's easy to say you're a year early or two years early but i'm willing to push my chips all in right now can you sell giants fans on the offense being better in 2019 i don't know how i i mean it can't get much worse i think that's 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 a good way maybe that's a good way to answer the question i think you'd like i think what giants fans need to see is daniel jones as early as possible in the in the season and just see how good he can get you know saquon barkley golden tate and the offensive line didn't get much better but you hope to see them improve will hernandez in year two but the giants offense overall or Giants fans need to just commit to hoping Daniel Jones is good. That's where the future lands right now. Get Daniel Jones in as early as possible. He doesn't need a gap year. Put this guy in, see what he's got, and and really move forward in that direction. I mean, this if you don't have an elite QB, you need to find one. I think they need to find one by starting Daniel Jones early, and I think that's what Giants fans should root for. Will Bears fans notice the difference between Vic Fangio's defense and uh, Pagano's? Hmm. I think... I think they're going to notice it largely because just how good they were. I think I don't think they're going to notice it from a scheme perspective, but from a regression perspective, maybe they blame it on the switch from Fangio, Fangio to uh, Pagano. But the defense was just too good last year. I mean, Eddie Jackson's touchdown rate was absurd. He should not, you know, safeties don't have that many turnovers in this year, and they don't turn that many into touchdowns. You add that with Khalil Mack having a plus season. I think the linebacking core played above expectation. Bryce Callahan played way above expectation that, you know, that secondary overall played very well. You're going to see them fall just because of regressing back to the mean in terms of they just played too much above expectation and defenses overall are very volatile year over year. I think Chicago goes down. I wouldn't blame that on Pagano entering, you know, Vangio's shoes, but I do think it goes down largely because it was just so good last year. Rank the four NFC North quarterbacks going into 2019. NFC North? Yep. So I'm going Aaron Rodgers to start. Then I will go... Whew, this gets tough after See, this was interesting. It was an interesting Twitter thread with a lot of different football writers that I was monitoring. No one can agree on two through four. Man, I, I want to I put 
maybe Stafford at two. I, I'm, not, I'm not putting Trubisky at two, and I don't feel good about Cousins. Hmm. I would say Stafford at two, Cousins at three, Trubisky at four. And I think a lot of Bears fans would be upset with that. But I think I saw Trubisky in, if, at one with some people, and I'm like, what, what are we doing? Oh, <laughs> my gosh. That is I need to send just, you that thread. It was, it was wild. There's a lot that of is Trubisky egregious. truthers out there. Oh, yeah. I think they're all Chicago Bears fans. Maybe. Uh, does it matter that with Doug Baldwin retiring, Russell Wilson has basically nobody to throw to now? Because Brian Schottenheimer doubling down on the run game. Does it matter that uh, the Seahawks have Tyler Lockett and trash? I like Tyler Lockett a lot. And I think Tyler Lockett can maybe thrive without Doug Baldwin in the mix. And you throw in DK Metcalf as well. And I think that's all the you know the Seattle Seahawks really need, given the kind of offense they want to run. Two guys that can run vertical vertical route trees, and Russell Wilson can scramble out of death on third and eleven and throw it deep. I, I think, and David Moore. I think David Moore kind of had a, a sneaky good season last year, specifically down the field. I think those three guys can do damage with a, a quarterback as good as Russell Wilson. Okay, interesting. Uh, better chance at rookie of the year for in Pittsburgh, Johnson or Bush? Oh man. I'd say Johnson. You know, you you know me. I love Johnson more than more yes. than anybody. I, I love Antonio Johnson Brown. so much. <laughs> yeah, I love I love Deontay Johnson. I think the people pushing for Deont- Dante Moncrief to start over James Washington or Deontay Johnson, it just doesn't make a ton of sense. He signed to a two-year, nine million dollar deal. Why you know beat the tires on a veteran that's never really broken out when you can at least see if James Washington's good enough to play in the NFL or really see a really exciting you know pick and Deontay Johnson play early in his career and potentially steal that starting role outside highest graded offensive player for San Francisco this year will be who uh okay I wanted to say Mike McGlinchey but Mm. I'm gonna gonna think on it Breda (laughs) I'm gonna I'm gonna think it's not it's not going to be Matt Breda I would say hmm Mike McGlinchey I really like Mike McGlinchey I oh you know what I'm gonna go I'm gonna go Dante Pettis I think Dante Pettis. Over Kittle. I'm, yeah, oh, man. I for, kind of forgot about Kittle, to be honest. I think it could be That's Kittle. I was thinking about all these different guys. If they're healthy, I'm like, huh. Interesting. Kittle. I'm going to go Kittle as the favorite. Pettis as the dark horse. Okay. I like it. Um, is Kirk Cousins a good fit for Gary Kubiak's game? Hmm. I think Kirk Cousins in a is good for a scheme that protects him. If he right. can stay upright, if the offensive line can improve and he has more opportunities from a clean pocket, I don't care whose scheme it is, he's going to play better, play at a level that can push the Minnesota Vikings into the playoffs. If the offensive line struggles and he has to play under pressure more than he needs to, more than he wants to, then he's the, 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 the offense is going to struggle, even with Adam Thielen, Stephon Diggs, Irv Smith, you know, uh, Tyler Conklin, all these, you know, different, you know, Dalvin Cook, Alexander Madison. It doesn't matter how many skill position, you know, good skill position players you put around him. If the offensive line plays far below expectation like it did last year, Kirk Cousins is going to also play at that level. And I think they need to keep him upright more than anything. An outside zone scheme with Stefanski and Kubiak can maybe alleviate some of the pressure. If they you know, can get a run game going, run more play action off of it, similar to what Jimmy G is going to do if he can stay healthy in San Francisco. I think you start to see better play from Kirk Cousins that doesn't you know gets him out of the doghouse in, in, in the NFC North. So I'm, I'm excited to see that scheme largely because I think the offensive line has nothing but, you know, room to improve. And if it does improve, Kirk Cousins is going to play better. If the Broncos defense is in the top three or five per PFF, is that enough for this team to make the playoffs? Hmm. 
I don't know. I I I, I really a lot of twenty eighteen Bears vibes for me. I mean, not I, I just don't. The Vangio I, stuff, but I don't. Like, I, you know, they're obviously not going to win the division. They're not going to win the division. Chiefs win the division to make a mm-hmm. push for a wild card in the AFC with a combination of Joe Flacco and Drew Locke. I just don't see it. I think there's too many other good quarterbacks in the AFC that will push for it. You look at the AFC South, Deshaun Watson, Andrew Luck. You can't count both those guys out of the playoffs. You look at you know Philip Rivers and, and that Chargers team that I think continues to be a sneaky candidate for the playoffs every year. I mean, they went last year. I think I, mean, I, I think it, it it's too hard for me to say that with Joe Flacco and maybe Drew Locke after week six at the helm that this Broncos team, regardless of how good their defense is, pushes themselves in the playoffs, especially with the division they play in. Who leads Kansas City in rushing by the end of end of the season? Uh, Damian Williams. I think you know the, the rumors okay. that they're committing to him early. That he's going to be their bell cow back. I, I, I'll stick with that. I think that makes sense. They're different guys, right? You, mm-hmm. I, yeah, yeah. I, I I love James Williams. <laughs> I love James Williams a lot. Coming to Washington, Is he the Washington State. State guy. Yes, he's the Washington okay. State guy that kind of finished with like absurd receiving production to the point where maybe he should just move to slot receiver. And then I also had an opportunity to interview Darwin Thompson and did a lot of tape study on him, who's an electric. Third, you know, change of pace back that I think in, a, in, in conjunction with Damon Williams can play really well. But I think Damon Williams stays their bell cow, gets the majority of the carries, the majority of the opportunities, finishes as a leading rusher. But don't sleep on James Williams and Darwin Thompson having some highlight plays and being key contributors, especially with Pastor Mahomes leading the charge. Biggest obstacle for the Rams to not get back to the Super Bowl? Hmm. Let's think on this. I'd say maybe you get a regression from Jared Goff. I think Jared Goff had one of the best years he's ever going to have in his career last year. and It's like a combination of that and then Todd Gurley being done with football. I, see, I don't know. I'm not, I, I think regardless, that offensive line is very good. Daryl Henderson is also yeah, very good. And you know me, with, yeah. re, with running backs being as replaceable as they are in today's NFL, I, I think Sean McVay with Daryl Henderson – if Jared Goff plays exactly as he played last year, they're going to the playoffs again, and they're doing it with ease. I think Jared Goff, his play fluctuates. I mean, he's he runs into more defenses like, like he faced in the playoffs or the Super Bowl. He's not going to do well. You know, if you start to see that blueprint that the Patriots played against him, and he faces those you know, play actions not working, and he's have to play under pressure more often than he wants to. Blitzing off ball linebackers, man, you don't want to see. You don't want to put Jared Goff in that situation. If Jared Goff continues his upward trend which i think you can't bank on right now you can't say that's going to happen uh, you st- you start to wonder about this rams team i think he's still even as good as he played the question mark there on the offensive side of the ball do the redskins have enough running backs to win the nfc east <laughs> that's a great question i think they have enough running backs i don't know if that's going to help them win the nfc east i, I don't um not necessarily a believer there. I think. I think. I love the running backs they do I have. I like more. <laughs> I love the what running backs they do Ford have. Doing? <laughs> I mean, he could probably contribute. How are knee his knees? Hey, I know Peterson's still contributing. I know knee health isn't huge for the Washington Redskins. I mean, Bryce Love, Darius Guys, Chris Thompson. You don't need to be healthy to play in Washington as a running back. And I think if they a combination play sixteen games, I still don't think they go to the playoffs. They're going to ruin so many fantasy football seasons because they're like no one's going to have any idea how to handle that. Yeah, I would stay away from that backfield overall from a fantasy football perspective. I just don't see any of the backs they have playing full sixteen game seasons. And even if they do, I think they're going to mix it up because they have so many so many talented backs. Chris Thompson deserves touches. Bryce Love deserves touches. Darius Geis. I mean, it's it it would be foolish to give any of those guys over two hundred and fifty carries. Do the Jets have enough of a pass rush to really compete in twenty nineteen? Pass rush matters. Pass rushing matters. Not as much as coverage. I think if Darnold improves significantly, 
you can see them push for you know a wild card in the AFC. They're not winning the division, but the pass rush is bad. I, I think it's it's not it's not a driver and what's going to be like is 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 the pass rush good enough for them to make the playoffs? But the pass rush is bad. I mean, Frankie Louvu starting opposite of Jakai Blight. I I mean I don't know. I don't feel really good about that pass rush. Quinton Williams is dominant, and Leonard Williams, if they don't trade him away, is also dominant. But that edge presence is very bad. I, I'd be very scared for that edge presence, similar to what, you know, how the Raiders probably should have been scared last year with the edge spinners. They tried it out. Does it matter who starts at center for the Saints this fall? Uh, not really. I mean, center, center is probably one of the least important positions along the offensive line, largely because you can stash your least effective pass blocker there. I, I think center and, and guard are two, you know, the two positions that you know you see your, your, your worst pass blockers, your short-armed guys that just need to be good run blockers play there. I don't think it's as important as other positions. I don't think they need to be necessarily worried. Obviously, you don't want a liability there. However, it's not something that I think should be a pressing concern, especially with you know having an elite QB, Michael Thomas, <laughs> Alvin Kamara. <laughs> I think they have plenty of things to kind of overlook any center really starting there. Is there any chance this Dolphins offense isn't dead last in offensive DBOA at the end of this fall? Yes, there's a chance. There's magic in Miami. I don't think okay? there's a chance. I think they're, they're destined to be last. I, I don't see any way this is not a faster fire off. I, for one, I'll say this. I'm always a believer in Fitz magic. I will stand okay. with that till the day I die, till the day he's backing up my favorite team in 2030. And I also love Kenyon Drake, especially when released from the Adam Gase saga. I, you know, I've talked to people that said Adam Gase hated Kenyon Drake, did not want to, you know, did not want to play him. Um, over Frank Gore, and I think give release him from that. Let him take the you know majority of the touches. And I think can Drake can do some damage. And they, I'm not saying this offense is going to change the NFL, but I th- I think there's a chance they don't finish last. Okay. Um, Panthers, they're moving to multiple fronts on defense. Will this work? Hmm. I, I, you know, I'm writing a piece that coming out tomorrow on Quan Short and his move from you know that primary two three technique to playing five technique. I think that's going to be a challenge for him. It's something he's that on the edge now, right? Burns, it, be yes. ball on ball. He'll be doing different stuff, and yep. it's it just basically reshuffling their entire defensive line and even Keekly now a little bit. I, I think the biggest you know, the biggest reason that you're not in love with the move is because you're moving a Quan Short that is arguably been the third best interior defensive lineman up behind Fletcher Cox and Aaron Donald in his career to play a position that he's not necessarily played well at coming, you know, coming out, he had the long arms. You could say he's versatile, but he's been so good, elite level, good at three and two technique, moving a guy that's been as talented as Kwan short out of position, I think only leads to regression in his play. I mean, Gerald McCoy is good. And I think I could like where he's going with him. Brian Burns, you know, you're not going to find a guy that loves Brian Burns more than me, but Moving Quan short is something that I'm not in love with. I think they still have a lot of talent there. Christian Miller, too, is another guy they picked up. I think that defense has a lot of talent, but I don't know if the 3-4 scheme really fits that talent. Best wide receiver rookie in Arizona will be who? Hmm. Andy Isabella, baby. Of course. Okay. Andy, Isab- Andy Isabella, PFF's highest graded receiver in the college PFF college era, dating back to 2014. This guy's a stud. He's more than a slot receiver, a guy I've interviewed multiple times in the pre-draft process. This guy's going to prove some people wrong. There's a reason he went in the second round coming out of UMass. This guy's way more than this shifty slot receiver, this West Welker type everyone wants him to be. He's a speedster, and I think he's going to surprise people, especially with Kyler Murray and Cliff, and Cliff Kingsbury pulling the strings. Is this the year Kenny Galladay breaks out into a true <laughs> wide receiver one? Mm, I think he already. I think he already is. He broke out the tail end last year. And I think there's not no one else to stop him in, in Detroit. I think they should lean on him. 
throw him 120 plus targets and watch him prosper. Galladay has all the talent in the world, a very good contested catch receiver. And when you have that elite contested catch ability, when you're not maybe a great separator like the Amari Cooper, Juju Smith-Schuster's of the world, you can win in the NFL. You have to be elite contested catch guy, an elite possession receiver like Alshon Jeffrey. I'd even throw you know, Michael Thomas into the mix. But I think Kenny Galladay can make take that step with the right volume, with the right targets. Over, under, Lamar Jackson plays 16 games. Mm. I'm going to say under. I think, I think, I think injury is going to happen here. I think he didn't play a ton of games last year, obviously, because Joe Flacco getting the nod early. But, and, and Steve actually and I were talking about this earlier, it's not so much his, his frame that leads you to think injury concerns, it's his play style. And, and, and the scheme he's running in. I think he's going to have way more opportunity as opposed to other quarterbacks to get hurt. I think you're going to see that with Lamar Jackson. You obviously hope, you don't wish it on anyone, but there's a good chance that he does get hurt this year and maybe plays less than, less than 16 games. The Texans and the Jets both fired their GMs after their draft. Um, who had the worst draft between those two GMs who were just fired? I'd say Texans. At least the Jets hit a home run with Quinn and Williams. Je- yeah. You know, the Texans, you read, you know, read that article recently that said they wanted Andre Dillard. When he got picked, GM just said, hey, I'm going Titus Howard. That's 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 reason for firing. You can't do that. Even, you know, you stick to your board regardless of positional need. And I think that's what you saw with the Texans GM and a, a large reason why he's not, you know, no longer on the books. Yes or no, the Falcons' two <laughs> offensive line choices will both grade well on PFF this season. I think Chris Lindstrom will grade well. It'll be interesting to see if McGarry grades well. I think he wasn't a guy that graded outstanding, and I think you could see you could see him having some growing pains. I think he's great. I think he could produce, you know, pr- you know, become something great in the NFL. But year one, and Mike Graham and I were on the camera recently talking about this. Year one to expect plus play from rookie offensive tackles is so is so hard. Even the first round talents struggle in pass protection as rookies, and I think Caleb McGarry could do exactly that. Last two questions, and then we'll go. Um, last or second to last one. Will Bruce Arians get Jameis Winston in the MVP conversation this fall? MVP conversation? That's rich. I was hoping that question uh, that question was a little bit lighter because I, <laughs> yeah, I I can understand that line of thinking because just be, like if Bruce Arians if he just puts up Carson Palmer level numbers because that's he has a lot of similarity scores. Too. Oh yeah. Where, like, if he does enough offensively and steals the headlines of, like, Jameis is just putting up ridiculous numbers, that I I could see that scenario. I don't think it's that crazy. I don't think that he's going to actually be, like, it's actually going to be a worthy award if he gets in that conversation. But it's just, like, I think his numbers might be insane enough where people would be like, oh, yeah, I can see how this is happening right now. MVP conversation, one or two votes, maybe. I don't think that's crazy because I do think his if he stays healthy with Bruce Arians, his numbers can be stupid. Mike Evans, right. Chris Godwin, OJ Howard, if he's healthy, man, the offense can be outstanding. I really want to see this air raid style. <laughs> yeah, Monken also, the offensive coordinator, man, I think this offense can be incredible. I think it's something uh, bringing up fantasy football again. Jameis Winston, whew. A sneaky candidate to be an absolute monster from a production standpoint because I think they're going to throw the ball deep all the time. Wait, with Mike Evans gone, isn't he? Didn't they? Isn't Byron Leftwich their OC now? Oh no, you're right. You're right. You're right. Byron Leftwich. I apologize. No, I think M- Monkins in Cleveland. Yes, I th- correct. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mix those two up, but still, I, I think with Bruce Arians, I think that that offense is going to throw the ball deep all the time. I think with Jameis, Mike Evans, uh, and again, Chris Godwin. I think there's just so many weapons. If he can stay healthy and upright. I think he could be a sneaky candidate for MVP. Maybe one or two votes. I don't see him winning it. I would bet against him winning it, but in the conversation, possibly. Okay, last thing, and then we're going to wrap up here. Who's out of the league first, Melvin Gordon or Todd Gurley? Oh, Todd Gurley. 
definitely. I think Melvin Gordon's playing for a while. He just switched his number to 25. This guy's here to Have stay. you read the recent reports? Wisconsin. He... I don't know. What, what do we got? Look... What do we got? Oh, Melvin Gordon. Not healthy, by the way. Uh, oh, man. Uh, he's not healthy right now. I, I just, I don't know. I, I, like, he's a bell cow back. He's 26. He's about to get a new deal. I don't know. I, I would be so concerned about pay- Look, you just saw what happened with Todd Gurley. And then for San, uh, San Diego, Los Angeles to pay Melvin Gordon at 27 years old with the kind of mileage that he's gotten, it would not be yeah. a fan. Uh, it would not be a a widely praised move in the moment. But like, I would not pay Melvin Gordon. Oh, I wouldn't pay Melvin Gordon either. I think he will get paid. That's where the NFL is right now. And I think he will last longer in the league because, I mean, because of that. And I think maybe he, he is healthier than Todd Gurley right now, in my opinion, just based off the reports I've read. But I, I think Sam and I are having this conversation today. Running backs of all positions need to get paid more earlier in their career. I was talking to him about the CBA needs to discuss that running back, rookie running backs should be able to sign two-year deals out of the gate. I don't care what round you're drafted in. You should be able to sign low year deals early so that when you do prove at 22 and 23 years old that you can be a bell cow and be an elite talent that you get paid and get paid your money earlier in your career to see philip Lindsay on a four-year deal when they're going to run him into the ground in denver is absurd like he's going to get paid roughly 600k a year contract comes up if they decide to pay him he finally gets his money when he's in the, you know after the prime of his career I think that's a concern with the position you start to maybe think about running backs being held to a different you know different standard in terms of the contracts they signed coming out well Terrell Davis only played for a couple of years right at 30, so he can stick to the, the number and the Denver history so <laughs> there can, you go he can become a legend retire and that be it um Austin thank you so much I appreciate you taking the time as always sir we can read you at profootballfocus.com we can now watch you on YouTube <laughs> on Pro Football Focus's YouTube page. Um, is there anything we need to look out for you uh, this week? So this week we are you know, debuting or dropping the PFF 50, where we rank the 50 best players entering the 2019 season, writing a lot of those blurbs up. And off of that, we're doing a lot of single-player features on you know, players on the list. Kwan Short, Michael Thomas, Chris Jones, other guys. Not to give you a full preview of everyone on there, but some, you know, some, some articles on the guys that are on the list. It's a lot of good content coming out on PFF. Definitely, definitely visit the site, write, and subscribe while you're there. All right. Thanks, Austin, and I will talk to you soon, man. Sounds good. Thanks, Chase. And that'll do it for today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. I just want to remind you guys, if you like today's episode and you are subscribed on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, I would really appreciate if you could take a second, leave the show a five-star rating and a review. If uh, you're not an Apple Podcast listener, remember you can find the show on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Uh, be sure to check out chasethomaspodcast.com where you can access all of my previous episodes and also find all my writing. I'm writing there fairly often. And also follow me on Twitter at chase underscore Thomas and like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash chase Thomas writer. Uh, thank you for your support and we'll be back in another episode very soon. Thanks guys. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. 
relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.